0: What's going on, avid listeners? This is Kevin, the solo nerd from Nerds on Topic. You're probably thinking to yourself, wait a sec, this doesn't sound right. This isn't my podcast. Oh, but I assure you that it is. You are currently listening to Art and Jacob do America. And just to confirm that, this is Rainbow Sasquatch, chilling here, drinking a beer with the fucking solo nerd. You know, dude, I really wish that you would, uh, take a shower eventually. Like, I know you're going to go visit your cousin Skunk Ape, but that don't mean you need to come in here with that shit. Anyways, um, I just wanted to tell you guys about a brand new podcast network called Podbelly that is now the official, you know, network that this very podcast is on you can go on over to podbelly.com check out a bunch of awesome podcasts like my own nerds on topic you can also check out this wonderful pod brother of mine art and jacob you can find the ectoplasm show sofa king podcast project reclamation and more dude it's some amazing shit but uh yeah anyways this nerds going to let you guys get back to your thing Nice talking with you. See you later. In at the, bank
1: the most televised bank robbery in the United States took place on February 28, 1997, in North Hollywood.
2: I've been hit in the shoulder. We have an officer down. I've been shot twice. I need an I unit.
0: I was shot in the
2: foot. I was shot twice.
0: I'm little lady, night, come in. Look one, Three. I hate robbing banks.
3: Hell yeah!
1: All right, everybody, welcome. Episode 14. 114. 114 of the Art Jacob Do America Experience. To my left, I Why have Why is it
3: experience now? Why are we experiencing shit? I don't now?
1: know. It's just the first thing that came to my head. I wanted to fucking sexy it up for Aww. fucking today. Because it is a special episode. Because for <laughs> the second week in a row, we welcome our guest from last week. Vincent Cruz. Vincent Cruz. Yeah, so I'm cutting out the John this time. John. Yeah, so <laughs> if you missed it on facebook live and youtube live um you missed a
3: ton man It yeah. was some, some life changing shit. jacob made some weird german joke and yeah. you're never gonna hear it it's gone yeah. uh, it's just, just check just... out the youtube Yeah, another reason to check or what is this youtube or Instagram? facebook, facebook YouTube. And, YouTube. and youtube oh you gotta check out both yeah and so with well, well, that said everybody Anyway, <laughs>
1: episode 114 114 art you i believe you are the one that picked this topic
3: out so you want to introduce everybody to the topic guys if you grew up in the 90s, if you owned a television in the 90s, there was multiple events, badass events. You know, like I, I, we did the uh, Phoenix Lights, right? And that was mm-hmm. one of those things that, that was amazing at the time. John JonBenet Ramsey. JonBenet Ramsey. There's so many like... Tupac, Biggie. We did Tupac, Biggie. We did, we did, we've done a bunch from the 90s, right? So to put this in the timeline, this is
1: after Tupac died, but just a month before or maybe like two weeks before Biggie died. So to put you I- in the the framework of when this happened
3: and just a few months before the phoenix
1: lights as well oh wow this was yeah. a 97 again, 96 and 97 were just a fucking popping ass fucking year you know, we were just listening to fucking N vogue and fucking uh michael
3: jackson yeah we scream. got in the 90s mood yeah yeah shit's shit's popping off wait i just want to give a shout out really quick to fight back cbd because i rather just do it now than do it at the very end when i'm tired fight back cbd fightbackcbd.com type in america 10 percent for checkout i highly recommend their products Um, put that shit in your tea, in your coffee. Put two drops under your tongue and then whatever you do, it'll have you feeling tip-top magoo. Put some, yeah, take some right before you go to bed. It's amazing if you're dealing with any aches and pains, that shit will send you tip-top magoo to the moon. (laughs) Getting back on topic. Uh, last week I pitched the idea. I was like, guys, this is another one of those like crazy shits that happened in the 90s. This Mm -hmm. is like some iconic movie shit. And it's like fucking, it changed like policy for the, the whole nation. Yeah, basically. LAPD changed it and then, you know, the nation followed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're referring to is the uh, North Hollywood shootout or just the Hollywood shootout. North Hollywood on. because I think it's, it's like a different annex. It is. Yeah. It is, it
1: is. There's Hollywood, like all the glitz and glam and touristy shit. Then you got like West Hollywood. Hey. And then you have North Hollywood, which is basically like the hood. So. Yeah.
3: It is in the hood, right? Yeah. they're They're like robbing. I mean, not to give too much away, but I'm pretty sure most people are familiar with it, but Spoiler don't know the alert. actual <laughs> background of it. The actual background of it is like the part that I think makes it more interesting, because I think most people kind of heard of it's a bank robbery or some shit, and then yeah. The, 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 the. But the cool thing about it is like when you actually start get to get to know these two guys, and like the 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 fucking uh, the 40, 44 minutes of like straight up violence that happened, mm-hmm. and like you know. It's fucking nuts. It's fucking. It's worth telling in a podcast format.
1: And it's one of those things, too, where it's just like I'm aware of it. Like the JonBenet Ramsey thing. Like I was just like it's like one of those things like, oh, there there was a conflict and then there was like an immediate resolution. But when you get into the depthness of it, it's like it's fucking enthralling. Like I found myself, you know, from the date that we, you know, pitched it, I believe it last Sunday, all the way up until, you know, (laughs) like an hour before we started recording, just like searching just not because i had to for the show but just because intrinsically i wanted to know more i needed to know their motives i wanted to know who each name each one of these individuals were why they would do what they did like what would their what were their childhoods like and then the officers that got involved as well like it was it's just like a story that just kept building all within this 44 minute time frame
2: uh i think my first exposure to this was on you know like world wildest police videos like they used to mm -hmm. make a lot of those and, um, you know, this was kind of before we had YouTube or, you know.
3: Can you imagine if this shit happened today? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, sh- the internet, internet would be like. From, like every angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: And like we're pretty much reliant on like the helicopter footage, and I guess one of the helicopters, I believe it was the police helicopter, yeah. believe it or not, had to like go and refuel. So the only helicopter that was in the sky was, I believe it was like kcal five, kcal nine, or KTLA five's helicopter, which they were just like trying to do like the morning weather report or traffic report or whatnot, and. You Know they're the ones like following everything down the street, so it basically follows like just L pattern, but they're like going around their helicopters getting shot. Like, it's it's, it's fucking Martin Scorsese couldn't have shot a better movie.
3: Well, or the, the KKL 5 or helicopter Man, started Man. getting shot at, yeah, and then they had to kind of retreat and back. back away. And so, like, mm-hmm. that's why you get like strange shots later on because a lot of it's like kcal 5's like ground team had to be there like or telemundo's yeah did w- you see that <laughs> no i didn't
1: see the telemundo telemundo but. was crazy like straight up mexican television <laughs> is like the greatest television yeah. of all time not only do you got like dime pieces everywhere you look shout out janet garcia the world's hottest weather girl but not only that but like you had like one of their fucking reporters like he was like literally like 12 feet away from um uh larry phillips jr and like he's like busting rounds into the cops and like like over to the side you just see like the mexican reporter from telemundo just like shots fired and like you're like what the fuck dude like get behind the del taco with the other police officers dude
3: i didn't see the del i mean it's- i didn't see that shit but that sounds nuts dude yeah no it is crazy and it like reminds me of those yeah they were taking uh, cover and, and that's the like local <laughs> tv like fucking mexican news like yeah that's fucking nuts. Shout They're out Telemundo. Willing, to, though, yo, willing man. to risk it all. But yeah.
2: that's also like before you would be acquiring footage from other people, before lots of people had, you know, like cameras, before you had tiny little HD cameras, like, mm-hmm. you know, back in the 90s. like The only way you'd see this was you'd have to get some news crew there, you know. Just mm-hmm. so sort of, you know, it Ron bleed, Burgundy. Yeah, if it bleeds, it leads sort of thing. Well, mm-hmm.
3: you know, it was 97, so they still had handheld cameras. There's still footage of, like, neighbors down the street, like, um, once... Uh, What's the second guy's name? Like Emil Mushakasha Baja Baja. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. How do you say his first name? Emil. 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 Um. what's like the footage of like Emil, like towards the end, where it's like it's all like fucking Mexican families. It's a pretty Mexican neighborhood that they yeah. end up in. I actually and, think
1: this is where my girlfriend grew up at. Like, I'm surpri- Like, I was w- watching all this shit. I'm surprised she didn't have anything to contribute. So she would have been like seven or eight at the time, I believe. But I'm surprised she didn't have like something to say about this. Like, oh yeah, I remember
3: because th- she grew up in North Hollywood. So, mm-hmm. pretty nutty shit, man. All right, so let's get let's get to the. You would the day of, or are we gonna talk about the two guys in particular?
1: Um, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the two guys first, because I think that's the interesting thing. Because yeah. the meat of it, that's you know the climax, that's heat, if you would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so, anyways, as Art and I alluded to, there's two uh, individuals that committed this this crime. Uh, you have Larry Phillips Jr. and Emil Matasarenu. Now, the only reason why I know that fucking name is because afterwards, like you saw everybody from Tom Brokaw to fucking Connie Chung to um. Rusty Shoop. <laughs> Who's Rusty Shoop? oh local, that's, yeah, that's no wonder that name sounds familiar. Or Galen Young or whatever. Galen
3: Young, didn't he get malaria? West
1: Nile. Oh, West yeah. Nile. Yeah, that's <laughs> and for right. those not from Bakersfield, it's a local fucking celebrity, <laughs> uh, fucking or the Ron Burgundy of Bakersfield, basically. But, so uh, but right. everywhere you would turn, you just you just hear like that name, like basic ass Larry Phillips and Emil, and like, they would do that whole thing too, like where they would over enunciate his name, like Madasarinu and, like, that just name just, like, was imprinted in my mind. I had no idea, like, it was attached to, like, this North Hollywood shootout. But, basically, you have these two individuals, Larry Phillips um, and Emil Marasorino. Now, Art, do you have any uh, information on those two guys?
3: Well, I mean, they're two guys they met at at Gold's Gym, right? They
1: were both kind of gym rats. at The famous Gold's Gym were Arnold and... Uh, you know the pumping iron crew (laughs) got their name from
3: but one of the things that like kind of struck me as like interesting is like they were kind of there on purpose like they were both there trying to like scheme up like get rich quick schemes which is kind of like an la thing like if you're not trying to make it then you're not going to make it like in la kind of thing like everyone's trying to make it everybody at least is pretending they're making it in la Mm -hmm. like there's this very like like lie like what's make it say? till you make Bake it. it till you make it yeah yep. that's exactly it. and i feel like that's a lot of what la is and a lot of people in la they're they have, like, this very, like, phony mentality. Like, it, it's it's a gym, and it's a popular gym, and they kind of just want to be there, and they want to be seen. And it was, like, to, like, from what I understood, too, like, you go to
1: Gold's Gym. This, in particular, Gold's Gym, not necessarily to get buff and swollen and work on your like health and fitness. But, yeah, you want to be seen, and you want to network. Because every, you know, Instagram model from Bakersfield that's trying to make it, they always have to do a photo shoot at the uh venice gold's gym and they always have to be like oh i met so-and-so today and you know it's just like a networking scheme and that's what larry phillips was trying to do he was trying to you know make it big because you know well i'm sure we'll get into it you know he had a history of you know trying to do these get rich schemes he had a bunch of He was arrested um, for, you know, real estate
3: fraud and whatnot as well. And they were both shoplifters.
0: Mm -hmm. Petty crime. Yeah, yeah. petty
1: crime thieves, basically. Yeah,
3: so you can tell they didn't have the money. Like, the money wasn't there. No. And in L.A., I mean,
1: just to fucking go down the street and go get some Del Taco, like, it's going to cost you, like, $50 because you got to park your car. You know, you got to spend money on gas. You're going to be caught in traffic. That's going to burn some gas, you know. And then everything is there is, like, 10 times more expensive than it would, you know, in Madison, Ohio.
3: Very true. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: so, h- how did these guys get to the point where they can have an arsenal and some, you know,
3: well body armor? They did rob other things. There's this, this wasn't their first fucking try at robbing a mm-hmm. bank. So, you know, uh, they had a nickname at this point. They didn't know that they it was the same guys at first, but yeah. they were given a nickname. I think it was like the high incident bandits or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. because they were going after. Have you ever seen the movie? Um, what's the movie where they paint their face like pandas and they rob? Um, it's dead presidents. Dead president. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, they were pulling some dead president shit. Like they were robbing armored armored trucks. Yeah, and I heard about that. Yeah, so that was like their M.O. Like they were going full on body armor, like heavy duty machine guns, and robbing, robbing, um, robbing armored trucks. And I think at this point they had accumulated like two million dollars, which yeah. they were burning through like crazy.
1: Yeah, because um, Emil Matusarenu, he's actually a Romanian immigrant, and. I guess the backstory on him as well was that you know his parents you know they were trying to you know run from you know communism basically in romania and i believe his mother was like a playwright or some kind of actress you know for the state so like everything in common you know in communist countries you know you do everything for the state so she um i guess was on tour and you know just evaded you know the country and just escaped to united states and so that family you know they, they they were like that typical like immigrant mentality family it was just like they just worked hard and gave everything to the children that they didn't have so in a nutshell emil Reno was this like spoiled rotten brat like you'd hear stories of him like getting the fanciest like you know street bike you know not knowing how to use it which would play into the story later um and just like just try to overcompensate um because i guess like he wasn't popular in school so you, you We've seen these kids where it's just like they, they try to ball out to impress people or to get friends, basically. To make up for their own personal deficiencies. Correct. And then Larry as well, he grew up in Los Angeles. And it, I guess his dad was kind of a dirtbag. And he was kind of a petty uh, crime individual as well. And he kind of ingrained into his son. Now, this is like you know the media's biography on him he kind of ingrained into his son that you know the police are bad they're evil folks and you know he had like this mistrust of uh you know the lapd basically but to be fair, at the same time, though, we're talking about this is, like, the same time frame that you have the L.A. riots. You have Rodney King. I was
2: going to say, yeah, this is post-Rodney King, so this is
1: –
3: Yeah,
2: so
1: it's just, like – not wrong. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, it's just, like, you you hear all these stories from, like, N.W.A., you know, Ice-T, um, you know, early gangster rap about how the L.A.P.D. is just fucking corrupt. Like, going back even to the 60s, you know, like, where they were just straight-up racist. Uh,
2: Yeah, just letting those riots go on, just going out and even helping those people. Like it was crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, in in a in a nutshell, I mean, I mean, I know his name's Larry Phillips. I don't think he was um, (laughs) necessarily like straight up white dude. You look at him; he just looks either Middle Eastern or Mexican. So. Anybody that looks like that to me is like going to be targeted, like even here in Bakersfield, you know, you're going to like he just has like that look that just like you're going to get harassed, especially by the L.A.P. You're going to get the secondary inspection. Yeah. But in this time, (laughs) this time they would be warranted because like Art alluded to, like they were going, you know, even all the way to Littleton, Colorado, you know, where um, Columbine happened and they were robbing banks out there. And I think by the time, you know, they got everything together, they had a mass, I think it was like between
3: $2 million and $3 million. Larry Phillips, it's weird you say that because I think he looks kind of like a soccer mom. Really? Yeah, I don't think he looks... You talk about... Yeah, that's that guy. No, that's... no, Phillips is this guy right here. No, it's, it's the other way around, man. No, Modesto is this guy,
1: the, the lighter skinned
3: guy. No, the funny thing about that is it's this guy right here because this guy had trouble communicating with the uh, bank itself. Well, because when they take off uh, Marasureno's mask, like okay. he looked like a white guy. He, no, no, this guy right here. This guy had very poor English. Hold on. Uh, when he does the bank robbery, let's let's look it up.
1: Yeah, Larry Phillips is the the Mexican looking one, and then um, Marasureno looks very caucasoidish. Are you sure?
3: According I to s- the movie, the the short the short hair, dark haired guy. That's the guy that had like the trouble communicating. But then again, that's the movie. What and like then that? the other guy's we're, like blonde Wait, we're blonde this on the, the made for TV movie. Yeah. Did you watch <laughs> the movie? Uh, no, I just. Oh, saw, okay. I that's should. what I was basing it off of, and the
1: picture. But anyways, if Eric's out there listening, please correct us or Alex yeah. <laughs> fact check us. But anyways, um, either way, um, you know, at this this is to answer your question. You know, they they had amassed, you know, a lot of money from you know bank robberies, and it. And at this time as well in L.A., like it, it was like almost weekly, banks were getting robbed. Now, this is before like the Internet and, you know, high-speed Internet with, you know, ring you know cameras and, you know, high-tech, you know, security. Like everything was pretty much basic. So the criminals had out-advanced, you know, technology at this time. And I guess um, how, you know, Phillips and Mara Serena would do it is that they would, you know – they would scope out a bank and find out the, the drop-off schedule for you know the, the huge deposits. Yeah, they yeah. cased this place. Yeah, they cased every place. Yeah, and um, Phillips was a humongous gun nut, um, which will probably play into <laughs> the end of this podcast where we start to talk about um, gun control. But um, he was one of those stereotypical people as well that was just passionate about guns. Like he was a straight up like. Super second amendment-er. And it just, he was locked and loaded, you know, like he was guarding Fort Knox already. You know, he was one of those individuals. So um, what he did with the money is, you know, he reinvested it into their crime syndicate and buying, you know, things like, you know. Got to make money. (laughs) Got to spend money to make money. Exactly. You know, like these variant AK-47s and whatnot. What? No, no. Oh, I, mean, I thought you were gonna say something. I thought uh, you were gonna say something. No, so I was looking. just,
3: <laughs> ladies and
1: gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, the beauty of a live podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you just
3: looked at me like you're about to make a point, but uh, yeah, I mean, they uh, they modified these these fucking um, yeah, Kevlar there was, there suits. Were semi-autos, right? Yeah. yeah, the rifles too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, so they made these. So a lot of
1: these guns they purchased legally. Uh, that's a key point as well. So these guns weren't exactly illegal. Now mm-hmm. they're fucking. There's no real use for them in California other than fucking robbing a bank. But they purchased each one of these guns legally, but modified them illegally to make to take them from semi-automatic to fully automatic. But
2: also at this time, the uh, the federal assault weapons ban was in effect. I th- it, it went into effect in ninety four. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, you know, you look over the. Uh the different parts of that bill and one of them uh, one of the exceptions for the guns is there's a grandfather clause so if you have any of these like old assault rifles yeah you know most of them are civilian models but whatever they are grandfathered in so if you had anything like an ar-15 or you know these norikos i think that yeah these guys had the chinese versions yeah you could keep those as long as you had them before the uh, the ban went into effect
3: mm, okay. well the funny thing about this like they shouldn't even have these guns from a previous case that's right. Yeah. yeah, from a previous case where they were arrested, they were forced to sell these guns. It was they were they were let they let them keep the guns to sell the guns so they can yeah. pay for <laughs> the crimes. So what Art's talking about is is
1: after one of their bank robberies, um, they got pulled over for speeding. Okay, this I don't know. You just got done fucking robbing a bank <laughs> in Colorado, and you're speeding. And I, I mean, I can understand if you got pulled over in Colorado for speeding because you're trying to get away from the police. But they had just got done robbing uh, a bank in Colorado. They're already back, I believe, in Burbank, it was. And they get pulled over sp- for speeding and they find a mass of guns, a massive armor, which would play into later. And, you know, all sorts of just things that, you know, you're not going to like bring with you just to like go down the street to go to Del Taco. Uh, no, like they, they, they got arrested and um, tried and put into prison for 100 days for a conspiracy to commit a crime. Because mm-hmm. they couldn't really pin them down for, you know, uh, you know, bank robbery. There was no proof of it. But they had all of this stuff, you know, um, circumstantial evidence. What else evidence. do you have? Yeah, yes. what else do you have this for? Yeah, circumstantial evidence to convict them for, you know, conspiracy to commit robbery. And, you know, a lot of their, um, you know, the explosives and whatnot got confiscated, but I guess they filed a motion where they would get their guns back with the provision that they would sell them later.
3: Mm-hmm. That is
1: correct. Mm-hmm. Art. So, so. <laughs> oh, so what,
3: they got
2: them back and then, le- oh, they got stolen. Yeah, that's true,
1: too. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the the wacky things about that. That's one of those ways, you know, that legal guns become illegal guns.
2: It got stolen. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I just left it in my car and, you know, I, I went inside and I came back out and they we're gone.
1: And so that famous mugshot, I mean, the one that me and Art are debating over, who's Mata Sereno, who's Phillips or whatever, that's from that case right there. So when you, ever, whenever you Google, you know, Larry Phillips and Emil Mata Sereno, like, you see the, the famous mugshot or whatever. That is from, I believe, that 93 incident as well. So,
3: Yeah, I'm not sure, but that probably makes sense because that's when they were mm-hmm. arrested last. And yeah.
1: Yeah, because, s- spoiler alert, uh, yeah, they didn't make it through the, the shootout. <laughs> no. Um, so I guess, like, at that time, too, they start, you know, they, they start reinvesting into their crime syndicate. And as, you know, Vincent alluded to earlier, you know, that's when they started purchasing, like, all this Kevlar armor. Now, Larry Phillips, he was described as the type A personality of, you know, this outfit. He, you know, full on just, like, was spend hours just sewing this Kevlar together. You know, he had everything, like, down to his wrist all the way up to his neck just covered. Now, when you get, like, a Kevlar vest, it's basically – it's just going to, you know, cover your vitals, and that's pretty much it. It's going to look like, you know, a (laughs) mid-'90s sweater vest (laughs) like Carlton would wear or whatnot. But for him, like, he full-on just had a fucking straight-up, like, Kevlar bodysuit. Yeah, he modified it. So it was covering
2: everything, Mm covering his legs, his arms. I didn't know if it was covering this part of his arms. I read it was just, like, his forearms.
3: I think it covered the entire part of his Mm -hmm. arms. He had the most coverage.
1: The two, it looked like what like the first thing that popped into my mind. Remember uh, the movie A Christmas Story where they keep uh, uh, adding layers of clothes to the little brother and they send him outside and he can barely walk? That's kind of like what Larry Phillips looked like (laughs) because he covered himself from basically from his neck all the way down to his wrist to his ankles because he was the one like that was on foot later on and like nothing was getting him. And then Matasarenu, he was more or less the, the lackey. He, like, it was always described that, you know, he, like, sloppily put together,
3: like, a Kevlar outfit and... With a groin protector. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he had some protection, but he didn't protect the back of his legs. No. He didn't protect his butt, and he didn't protect his... Wait, no. I think he... Prote- Larry didn't protect his feet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And um, I guess, but the one thing that Modest Reino had that Larry didn't have was that he inserted like you know metal plates over his vitals. So that's what would play into him surviving a little bit longer than Larry as well. So, um, th- so from '93 basically till '97, they're they're gearing up to make this big heist, and they're they're hitting uh, basically every bank is a Bank of America. So they know the drop off schedule. They know you know, you know what the procedures are and whatnot. But at the same time, in L.A., like I was alluding to, a lot of banks were just, like, just weekly, just getting hit up, just weekly, just just week after week, just getting hit up by bank robbers. And you see, like, a lot of famous movies. In particular, one movie that's going to play a big part into this is the movie Heat. Um, Who you said the director was? Michael Mann. Now, that movie is fucking awesome, not only because you got fucking Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer. Fucking um, Angelina Jolie's dad, fucking Dying Peace. Uh, what's her name? Um, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. And dying Peace Ashley Judd. But you also that's got. Charlize Theron. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about Charlize Theron. Fucking. You got Henry Rollins. But you also have.
3: You fucking, got Danny Trejo.
2: Yeah. Art's Damn. uncle Danny
3: Trejo. That's a crazy cast. And yeah. i, I like. Michael Mann knows how to put put a movie together, man. He but. Did, there's he did Manhunter,
1: man oh he did huh movie. yeah yeah god bless michael man but this is like one of the movies though that has like two of like the greatest bank robbery scenes mm-hmm. of all time i believe the first bank uh the the armored truck scene yeah it's the opening scene yeah is what you know they basically you know get like a mac truck and an ambulance and they fucking smash a fucking armored truck and you know take whatever in there that that was just like that always just stuck with me and then the ending bank robbery scene or the last bank robbery scene yeah, i was like in the middle there yeah uh, where Robert De Niro says, "Hey, we're after the bank's money. We're not after your money. Uh, your money's, you know, protected by the FDIC. The and you know, it's fully insured. Like you don't have to worry about anything. You know, you'll think about your family. Like that has been sampled by so many hip hop artists. So this is like one of the most influential movies, you know, uh, in pop culture of all time. And obviously, it was influential to these folks as well because they everything that they did was based upon the movie Heat." even to the T where they had stopwatches <laughs> fucking sewn yeah. into their gloves. That Yeah, you got to be aware of that response set, time.
3: Like 8 minutes ahead or something like that. They had yeah. some weird timing that they apparently they thought it would take them 8 minutes to get the uh the distress call out mm-hmm. and so, then for police to show yeah. up. So Well, obviously that didn't happen. No. <laughs> so I don't know, Art. you want to get into it? Well, I mean, if we get to the day of it, so I believe what what I saw and I, I read something where they were, they had the initial plan that they were going to go after another armored truck. Mm-hmm. That was the game plan. But then the armored truck schedule was like flipped. Like it either showed up late or something like it was, and it didn't come to that bank that they yeah. had originally thought it was, it was going to come to.
1: I guess policies say, you know, for Bank of America, they like, They sent an internal memo basically like, hey, management's not going to have any keys to the ATM and that we're not going to have scheduled drop-off times where people can predict, you know, when, you know, $2 million is going to be dropped off to the Laurel Canyon Bank of America. No, it's just going to be sporadic and we'll let you know by phone call, you know, when we're going to be there like in 10 minutes or whatnot. So that way, you know, it's a surprise even for the bank manager. So he's not even going to be aware of it because, you know, they had a lot of inside, you know, intel as well. And so that's what happened as well. They were going in expecting to get, uh, I believe it was like $1.7 million. And I guess they ended up only getting
3: like $300,000. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they kind of pull an audible and just fucking wing it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go in. And fucking idiots. Like, that, that's, that it was, it was like the worst luck that they could ever have. It was worst case scenario. Like, they get spotted by like everybody and their fucking mama walking into the bank. I mean, they only look like fucking bank, like stereotypical bank robbers from the
1: jump. Like at least Robert De Niro, he puts his ski yeah, mask. Yeah, they're all on. they're
3: all in suits. Yeah, the yeah, guys in heat. Like they
1: they don't look too suspicious when you see him walking out of the bank with a duffel bag. Even the goddamn Joker had a fucking suit on. I mean, yeah. come on, man, get classy. Be a pro- fucking professional for goddamn <laughs> sake, you know. Um, but yeah, like Art said, they go into the bank and almost immediately, LA two well, LAPD. L,
3: yeah, two LAPD are walking or driving by and spot them walking in, and they call it two eleven. Yeah. So right off the bat, like, without, you know, that fuck the eight minutes that they had originally planned that they would get an 8 minutes uh, distress call. (laughs) Like, that shit's going on. You got eight seconds. So it's like they go in, they fucking start shooting up the place, everybody get down, and then, you know, you brought up the fact that, like, protocol had changed. Like, protocol was completely different. Managers had, you had to have two managers there, which they did that day. But they didn't have access to the ATM machines, which were, like, locked. And the only way you can get into them were if you destroy the money. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're just fucked because they only have a certain amount of, of money, and they didn't get a delivery that day. So what would you say the, the total amount was? It was
1: $300,000, which is still a fucking lot. Hey, like, that would pay off my house. 303000 I think. Yeah. That's... But uh, they were expecting, like, $1.7 And then the thing is, too, they they went, like, right when the bank opened. So bank, I think banks open like, at 9 a.m. And the bank when they got there it was like nine seventeen. So you got people still fucking getting their morning coffee at this point. Yeah. I don't even think like at that time like their fucking fucking Apple computer, like with the floppy disk drive, hasn't even finished booting up yet. So like nothing's like even working at this point.
3: Dude, and especially like the people that are there at eight in the morning at a mm-hmm. bank. It's like fucking old people that are like probably gonna pull like their fucking rent money out and i assume rent back then even for la it was only like fucking three hundred dollars <laughs> they're dropping off their pension checks yeah,
1: yeah. i got my $50 it, cause
3: they live in the here. hood it's not like they live in the nice part of la so it's like no hood the- la in the 90s and what's the fucked up thing
1: is, like, I'm thinking, like, Laurel Canyon. Like, I'm thinking, like, the glamorous, like, the mamas No, and it's the on Papas. the other side of the hill.
2: They're, they're in yeah. the valley. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I was thinking Laurel Canyon, like, like fucking nice ass, like, West valley. Like, yeah, you, you allude to it. It's, like, in the fucking hood. Like, you got fucking, like fucking danny trejo's family yeah. like down there and yeah shit. I, I used to live in uh north hollywood and yeah you drive around
2: it, you couldn't tell like if you were in bakersfield or or, <laughs> or what like, That's it's like, just flat like all the big buildings they're all on the other side of the hill what's
3: mm-hmm. that part of like n- south chester like if you ever keep driving down chester and it starts turning all like weird like it mm-hmm. looks like empty buildings and like weird people walking around not, shanty not, homes and yeah, shit yeah that's what it reminds me of like that's north hollywood where it's like i don't yeah. want... why okay yeah why not hit up beverly hills like you know what i'm saying but you gotta think like there's probably more security there oh, that's true probably yeah. like more state-of-the-art camera more shit More traffic more traffic I think trying to get out of the city
2: mm-hmm. you know after you pull up a bank robbery you definitely don't want to be in la traffic
1: yeah and then that too like you had two i guess major freeways on both sides of the exit because i guess this bank of america had two exits and then also too, it was like in the middle of a residential area, so you had like tons of side streets, as well. For them, you know, what they should have done is like gone through that way. But yeah, but um, yeah. Um, so they go in. It's nine seventeen. Um, I guess a um, meal. I want to say the the Romanian one. He's the one that you know has the broken English, the Romanian one, and he you know he's trying to communicate to the manager like open up the safe. You know where's all the money? And I guess. You know, the manager's like, well, here it is. It's like $300,000, and he's just, like, fucking pissed off. And he fucking starts shooting his AK or his, what is, was it, the Noriko? The Noriko, yeah. Yeah, he starts shooting at the fucking money, fucking basically destroying it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking, I guess, like, they he demands to get into the ATM, and the manager's like, hey, motherfucker, I can't even get into the ATM. <laughs> so they fucking take all the money, and I guess there's die packs in there as well. And at that time, you know, when they start, you know, to get all the money together and run out, that's when, you know, LAPD, they had every entrance, you know, every street
3: entrance blocked off from the general public and them as well. Yeah, that, sh- that response time was cr- crazy fast. And mm-hmm. you got to give them uh, credit for that. But, like, the, like the fucking, like, from this point on, like, this is, like, LAPD had, like, the upper hand. Mm. For, but from this point on, it like, everything got, like, because this, mm-hmm. this is the part that really makes the story, like, really interesting.
1: Yeah, it made my heart beat just, like, listening to the stories of this. Because like, this, this just didn't turn into a bank, um, you know,
2: just a, you know, like... What, what that, yeah. Well, they, they didn't take over the bank and just hold everybody hostage. Like, you'd think that's what would happen. You'd have a standoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that didn't happen.
3: So, <laughs> like, it only took... It only took them a certain amount of minutes to the point they realized like fuck we're surrounded, mm-hmm. and I don't know which one it was. I think it was Larry mm-hmm. that just like flips out and like starts shooting out the door to like yeah, to the was. police like, and like at that point like they knew like this is not your typical like two armed bandits with like a fucking yeah six shooter type of shit you know shotgun
1: yeah. or whatever. And one thing too that I thought was interesting is that before they actually entered into the the bank is that both of them took, like, a prescription drug. I think it was, like, phenobarbital or some shit like that. Yeah,
3: it was, like, some muscle relaxer to,
1: like, help them, like, stay calm. And it was the same shit that the um, West, uh, not Westboro Baptist Church. (laughs) (laughs) What was the church that fucking ate the applesauce? And um, we did the fucking episode on them. Um, Heaven's Heaven's Gate. Gate. Heaven's Gate. Yeah, Heaven's Gate. It was the same drug that the Heaven's Gate used to fucking knock themselves out as well. So it's just, like. Why would you that, like I wouldn't even take a Benadryl like
3: if I was going to do something like that like why would hey, you take it I want to
1: calm my nerves man I I get that
3: but I want to have like well, apparently one of them took it every every bank robbery Oh really and like the other one was just trying to calm the other one down when it was just like are we fucking doing it and then they they do it but yeah Okay but one of them was on it on every bank robbery cuz he had the nerves
1: and I was thinking to myself as well, like, okay, there are a bunch of, you know, gym rats or whatever. Like, there's always two people at the gym. Like, there's dudes there that are just fucking trying to be seen and, like, pick up the fucking gym rat girls or whatever with the fucking asses that look like donkeys. And then there's, like, the fucking assholes like them that roid rage out and do stupid shit like this as well. They look like the individuals that would be taking, like, the Anavar and the Diana Ball and whatnot and they're just, like, roid rage over their bean burrito having onions in it and whatnot. So what I'm thinking is is they were also probably on some kind of steroid or some kind of fucking testosterone booster as well.
3: Oh, I bet. I bet they were, man.
1: Because you hear the stories of inside the bank where I it's I mean, just, who gets pissed off and shoots the money? It's not the money's fault. Yeah, that,
3: that's <laughs> if that ain't
1: the fucking ultimate fucking roid rage story, I don't know what is. Like, I
3: didn't see anything about that, but, yeah, I bet, I bet they were on steroids. And that would
1: probably explain, like, me, myself, I know you can't tell – but I don't do steroids. Okay guys. But like myself, like I do not do that. So like for me to take like a muscle relaxer, like I'd be practically dead. Like even if I took half of one, but to counteract the effects of the, you know, the steroids that are pumping through their veins, they probably like neutralized them at some point as well. So that probably explains that Got to Round round off those
3: edges. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) takes the edge off. (laughs) Very true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, they're, like, in a full-on shootout with the LAPD, and it's, like, it's, fu- it's fucking going down. I, I th- is this... Let me see.
1: Well, this time, too, like, okay, yeah, the LAPD's got him surrounded. Um, Larry, he's shooting fucking rounds off. He, I think they said it was spray and pray, because I guess he wasn't really very accurate with the guns. He doesn't need to be. He's got an automatic <laughs> with, you know, these big giant... You know? Barrels on him. Yeah. yeah, I guess they put those barrels... Like, a regular clip, I guess, like, you see, like, an AK, like, on... You know call of duty or whatnot it just looks like a banana basically but they have like these barrels that just these have drums. It's like yeah 100 rounds each. it's a
3: fucking 1920s mobster looking gun yeah yeah
1: and you know he's just spraying and just fucking shooting everything the del taco across the street and fucking i don't even think starbucks was there not but like there was like pictures of like ice cream shops it would like just the dentist yeah the the key dentist shop, shop a del taco uh, that's all i can remember yeah and i believe like a little kid like he was like one of the pictures like he was holding up his shirt i guess like um some of his rounds like pierced like the dresser because these were armor piercing rounds as well they weren't just regular yeah belts.
3: it was going through the cop car like the cop car was not much of a shield like it mm-hmm. was that shit was ripping through the car and um
1: the cops like you know they were shooting at him obviously and they were finding out like holy shit like Because at that point, you know, the rules of engagement have been enacted. You know, the cops have every right to fucking shoot these motherfuckers. They're shooting them in the chest, they're shooting them in, you know, the vital organs, and it's just bouncing off of them with no fucking reaction. And the cops are just thinking to themselves. You hear the stories like on, you know, all these like documentaries, like, OK, this is this is where I die now, because all the cops have at this point now, too, are like, I guess, 38 specials and little and nine millimeters. Yeah, nine millimeters, which I like th- some shotguns. But all those things, they don't work at range and they don't work on these Kevlar vests, which was explained to me that they were like five times stronger than steel.
3: oh I, I didn't. <laughs> I'm i looking at you well you looked over here and then you looked at me well, um, you haven't said anything in a while Or would you got to keep this thing looking? um yeah I mean Hot it's potato. stronger than steel yeah um but they weren't fully covered there mm-hmm. were there were definitely some some weak spots mm-hmm. in in their in their whole armor so like at this point they're like at the full-on shootout they both come out um and they're both just full-on like standing there like without any cover just shooting at the cops like cops are backing up because literally like everyone's getting hit they're mm-hmm. just blood everywhere at this point
1: and i believe um six uh pedestrians and i believe 11 um police officers ended up getting injured Um i'll bring it up here in a second but um one thing too that was interesting is that you know they had a fucking plan for this because um larry he was walking um and shooting at the cops and it's at this time emil matasereno he jumped in i believe it was like a um a Chevy um, Malibu or something.
3: It was some janky-ass fucking, like... Well, they had their car there with them, which, by the way, they had brought, like, a jar of explosive. of gasoline yeah. to, like, burn the car, which was, you know, from their original plan. They were, like, going to run away, burn the car, and disappear into the desert. Like the opening of heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, obviously that plan didn't work. So, like, um, was it um, Emil? Like, Emil's in the car. Yeah, and he's driving,
1: and he's basically shielding... Um, Larry, while Larry, and that, what does it, it explain to me is like this is a military tactic. Like, this well, they're is, walking
2: alongside the car.
1: Yeah. So it's just like, okay, you got fucking Marasareno driving, shielding him basically, and shooting out the window with his gun because I believe he was shooting out the um, windshield. And then Larry is just like spraying and praying basically at this time.
3: Yeah. It, it's kind of a, a hit or miss tactic. Like, at this point. So this is the part where I kind of think that the fucking. Um, Larry was fucking suicidal as hell because, you know, one thing that we didn't talk about is, like, Larry at this point isn't talking to his family, had cut off his family prior to this, to this whole bank robbery. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, he went in full-on suicidal, probably didn't tell Emil this, that, you know, I'm going to fucking die, like, during this whole thing. Like, I'm, I'm ready to die. Yeah. And I think, you know, at one point when they're taking off, like, fucking Emil's like, all right, let's get in the car, let's go. And then um, Larry doesn't yeah. want to get in the car. Like, I, I Larry keeps that. walking. And so like, that's one of those big things that like, you know, at this point they split, they go their separate ways. Like fucking um, uh, Larry's going still ballistic on the cops, you know, like, and I think at this point, this is like right when this happens, this is when SWAT shows up. Mm-hmm. And SWAT was like full on not ready for this shit. Yeah, yeah they were crazy. The middle to... of exercises. Yeah, right? they were going through exercises. SWAT is stuck in traffic at this point because the freeways are all blocked off by LAPD. So they kinda have to like take dirt roads to get there. The
1: freeway was fucking blocked because it's LA traffic, like at rush hour, you know? So Yeah, nine in the morning. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's trying to get to work and shit. So it's like they were stuck. And if you see footage of SWAT, like they're in fucking straight up like Magic Johnson gym shorts. Yeah. And fucking like ASIC's fucking running shoes and shit.
3: Yeah, and at this point, like, you know, SWAT, at this point, had shot Emil. Uh, Emil had, like, one gut shot wound. In the butt. Like in the butt and the thigh or something like that. And yeah. so, like, at this point, it was, his better option was to be in the car anyways. Yeah. So he's in the car, but they hadn't gotten anything with um with Larry. And Larry oh. goes full on. Like, this is, like, his his thing where he gets left behind and he's, in my opinion, he's like, I'm gonna fucking die doing this. Yeah, because you see a mill, like he's like, hey, bro, like, like you're thinking to, because he's going slow
1: as fuck. It's like, hey, just drag him in the car and drive the fuck off. There's all these side streets, like just get in the car and drive off. I don't know why I'm fucking like shouting this at the fucking uh, YouTube <laughs> fucking video, but I'm just like, holy shit, what are you doing? Like driving two miles an hour and then you just see a mill, just like, you know what? Fuck it. If you got a death wish. That's on you, bro. I'm gonna fucking live. Yeah. But then that's when you see Larry. I he goes behind that fucking um, big rig, and uh, he has like a bunch of ammo with him. And he get this is when the the well, helicopter loses him, and he re from the video the documentary I saw is he takes out the the drum. He finishes out one of the drums because he's shooting the fuck out of um, a parking lot across from the the big rig, and then he loads another hundred clip um, drum to his. Uh, it's a, it's AK variant. What is it called again, Vincent? Noriko. A Noriko. Made in China. Made in China,
3: yeah. Isn't that <laughs> so, also a razor blade? The Noriko? It's a Norelko. Norelko,
1: that's yeah, right. The best
3: a man can do. Uh. Um, <laughs> so this was
1: interesting as well. Like when I was diving down these like side rabbit holes, uh, they were explaining how this gun works, this AK variant works. Now the bullet would discharge out, the bullet casing would discharge out of the side of the AK-47 um, but I guess after a while, because you know he's sh- just shooting just indiscriminate rounds, the gun's heating up, the metal is starting to change. It's a fucking Chinese model, so it's not the fucking most high tech best quality model. yeah, either. it's not the Afghani model. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not the fucking um bin Laden model yeah. at all. Um so you know the, that the golden one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's not the best model to begin with as well. So the gun's heating up, the metal's warping, and the bullet gets lodged. Now the documentary was saying that hey, all he would have to do is just just flick the bullet out manually with his thumb. But at that same moment, by the grace of God or whatever divine intervention, they shoot the gun. They shoot his thumb, right? which is one of the only things that um was not covered by the Kevlar. And a credit to whatever police officer did this, because the police officer is standing maybe two hundred yards away, two football fields away with a fucking nine millimeter gun, which Vincent you said was not accurate from a long distance at all, but gets him on one of the only points that would be effective at this point where he would be able to flick out the bullet bullet casing to make his
3: gun work again. So he drops the AK, he pulls out the nine his um Well at this point they had already like gone into a some firearm store and like took their better weapons oh yeah so like yeah, they, they weren't using rifles, right? yeah well, they weren't using their nine millimeters for anymore larry though yeah
1: larry they did have the nine millimeter because madison Reno is the one that succumbed to the police officer's gun that they got from the gun mm-hmm. shop but they shoot basically shoot off his thumb he's got his um beretta out and he's you know trying to handgun shoot them as well but it's not working from two hundred yards, so he just and he, decides he doesn't have a thumb. It's kind of hard to get a grip on
2: a
0: gun. <laughs> yeah, you don't
1: have a thumb. So at this point, like Art said, you know his death wish has basically come to fruition, and he basically you just see him, you know, stick the barrel under his chin, blow himself away, and at the exact same time, this is so crazy because at the exact same time that he pulls a trigger on himself, an officer shoots him right in the shoulder and it severs his spine. Yeah. and he's dead immediately.
3: It's pretty nuts, man. Like, but I think he full on just wanted to kill himself. Like oh, I, yeah. I think he was just he was going to kill himself like
2: he was going to go out Scarface yeah, style. He, just,
3: he, it was full on Scarface style, man. And like, you know, at this point, fucking what's his name? Email? Emil. <laughs> Emil is Sereno. like on his fucking own, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's just like driving fucking like, okay, so he's driving like 25 miles an hour up Which up. I don't get why he's going so slow. Exactly. And I
1: guess like in my mind, I was like, well, maybe they shot out all of his tires, but it wasn't until later on that they shoot out all of his tires. Mm-hmm. And like when he's like halfway up the street, so he's still going only 20 miles an hour. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? And he's not going down, you know, the side streets, which you would be able to get away or lose, you know, the police at least. Um, and he's just going down Laurel Canyon High or uh, Street or whatever right into fucking you know the police barricades basically and i'm like what the fuck are you thinking and then all of a sudden you know his car you know for whatever reason stops working he jumps out and he tries to um uh, commandeer a jeep um what is it jeep renegade was it yeah i believe it's a jeep renegade it's basically the jeep truck yeah it's where... like an old one yeah, yeah they're ugly as fuck They came out with a new one recently, and I, because I got the new fucking Wrangler or whatever. So basically, it's just a Wrangler with a fucking bed. That shit is ugly as fuck. Anyways, I digress on that. But he tries. Very convenient for throwing your shit in the back quick. (laughs) Yeah, but anyways, yeah, you could just throw your shit in there. Anyways, he tries to steal this guy's car, and the guy, you know, he shoots him a couple times, and the guy just fucking takes off, and by the grace of God as well. The guy take he hits the kill switch on his car, which disables the car, and runs off with the keys. And Emil has no idea about this. And so he jumps into the truck and tries to get away and realizes, like, oh, shit. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going anywhere because at the same moment, this is where SWAT – like, I believe, like, six or seven SWAT officers show up in a police cruiser and <laughs> their Magic Johnson gym shorts yeah.
3: with those gun shop um, guns. So do you want to talk about that? Sure. I mean, they just full-on – just go into a shooting spree at this point mm-hmm. with him. And like, he's still alive. Like he could have been saved at this point. Right. So like he, he's just kind of bleeding out. And like the reason he didn't get any medical attention, cause he was like, at this point they were using like the more like, uh, badass guns that they got from that gun mm-hmm. shop. So they weren't using their nine Basically millimeters.
1: Like AR-15. So real quick to back up on that. They only, they're waiting for SWAT to come. The, the regular, you know, street officers and they see basically a gun shop and they're like, hey, the gun shop doesn't open until 10, but they're still working. And they're like, hey, let us commandeer some fucking weapons so we can combat this shit. Like there's no way our fucking little fucking handguns are going to be able to pierce this shit. So I guess the gun owner was like, uh, gun shop owner's like, yeah, man, you can take every gun you want, man. And like gives them like all these like powerful fucking uh, AR-15s and fucking, I, I don't know, I'm not a gun guy. But just like the most powerful shit that he has, which is pretty much the same shit that the robbers had at this time. And, um, one of the police officers, like when they're getting into this shootout with a meal, you know, at, you know, the final standoff, he gets clipped like in the shoulder and he's like, fuck. And he goes prone and tries to like re, you know, do his gun as well and re, um, put another clip in there. And then he notices, he's like, oh shit, he doesn't have any protection on his legs. So what he does is he goes prone and he just starts shooting at his fucking legs and I guess at towards the end of it, Emil had fucking 23 fucking gunshot wounds uh, from, from a fucking AR-15. Yeah. He got Swiss cheese legs. And I think one officer was saying that he watched um, a bullet go through his shin and it knocked out like a four or five inch piece of meat out of his leg. Damn. That's nuts. Too... Yeah, you're not standing up after this. <laughs> no. So Emil falls down basically and he surrenders. And this is where, you know. Well, I heard he was begging to be shot. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, they he, they said just put just fucking put a bullet in me. Just fucking end me, just fucking kill me. Like I don't want to fucking I don't want the ambulance at all. Just fucking kill me, end me now. And I guess the the police officers they're just ignoring him. They're just like, well, cuz at this time too, they they got a uh, report that there was at least 4 or 5 other robbers in the area. So they were trying to comb the other the area as well to find, you know, anybody else that might be there. Yeah, so they're making well, sure it's safe before any medics come in.
2: Yes,
3: they correct. had heard like multiple gunshot wounds come or wounds. Uh, they had heard guns going off in the bank mm-hmm. when they weren't in it, according to people in the area. Mm-hmm. They had heard other guns going on, but I don't know. I don't know about that, but I could see them, you know, trying to play it safe and like. Oh yeah, pretend, definitely. You know,
1: I put myself in that position as well. Like you you're already on edge. You know, mm-hmm. forty four minutes might not seem like a whole lot of time, but like when you're dealing with literal life and death, like 44 minutes, that's a fucking eternity. So you're going to want to make sure you cross every T and dot every I at this point.
3: Yeah. And so
1: far no civilians did. No, yeah. So. T- <laughs> yeah, the only people that died out of this whole fucking ordeal um, was the two bank robbers. And I guess they shot fucking 1,100 rounds and the police shot 550 rounds. So. You basically got 1,600 fucking bullets just flying in this one little fucking half a mile stretch of fucking um, Laurel Canyon.
3: Yeah, it's fucking nuts, dude. And, like, the dude's just, like, left out in the street bleeding out, right? And, like, I guess it was, like, a lawsuit against the city of L.A. for not... Yeah, his family. Was yeah, his to, family they, they sued the die. city of L.A. Just, yeah, because they didn't give him any medical... Um, attention, But and, it kind of makes sense. Like, it's like, dude, this is like a war zone at this point. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to let more people come into a war zone. Like, if anything, you're trying to get people out of it. Correct. And the
1: ambulance, too, They, I guess they have a policy. And I verified this with one of my friends who's actually an ambulance um, personnel. Um, they have a policy as well. Like, if it's a – I believe you said it was like a red zone or something like that, which is basically a war zone. They don't enter it in until it's all cleared. The police hadn't cleared the area at all, I guess, for like 60 minutes. Because they had those other reports of other gunshots in the bank and they believed there to be two or three other individuals out there. So they're not just going to let, you know, these minimum wage fucking, you know, ambulance workers, you know, risk their lives. Because they're not b- working minimum wage. Come on.
3: Oh, no, you'd no, be them.
1: surprised, dude. Fucking ambulance workers, they get paid shit for basically being the first responders on the scene. Oh,
2: I'm not saying that they're not underpaid, but they are not getting minimum wage. They're not making eight bucks an hour. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> Damn. For well, what they for, see, for what they do, and what, what they, they see, see, they
3: should be paid more. But yeah. what do you think they're getting paid? Like fifteen, eighteen dollars an hour? I, I'm thinking, yeah, like seventeen, eighteen. That's not worth it, dude. No, not fucking worth it. I don't want to see that shit. Take that shit home and be all traumatized. I'm not trying to see that shit. No, seeing dead babies and shit. I'm not. No, I ain't with that.
1: So they're they're gonna do what they have to do to preserve their own life. Because at this time, like again, hats off to the LAPD. Only six. I mean, it sucks that six individuals got hurt. And six off or eleven officers got hurt as well, but nobody died but the bank robbers. So at this time, that's a success. That's a fucking success, dude. Considering for, for the amount of shit that went down. Yeah, this is basically Afghanistan, Iraq put together right here. You know, and you know they they want to minimize any potential loss, so they don't want these ambulances personnel innocence basically to be hurt. So I'm sorry that you know your fucking the relative fucking died bleeding out on the street, but he kind of fucking shot 1100 rounds towards fucking, you know, police officers and innocent civilians.
2: If you hear about, you know, people catching stray bullets from uh like drive-by shootings. And you know, this was you know 100 times more bullets, nobody got hurt. No. Well, nobody well, died. Nobody got hurt. Got hurt. <laughs> nobody died. Nobody
1: died like boys in the hood status or whatever, or menace to society status or whatever. So hats off to them. And I guess that brought up a big um, controversy as well. Like, oh, like you said with the lawsuit, you know, they just let him bleed out. When you actually hear the police stories, like, no, we actually called for ambulance. It's just ambulance couldn't get there because one, LA traffic at 9 a.m. or 9.45 a.m. There's a large police presence there. So not anybody's just going to be able to be let through. You know, it's a fucking war zone. You know, they got to vet everybody that comes through there. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry that, you know, you got shot 23 times trying to shoot your fucking AK variant, Chinese AK variant at officers. <laughs> but, I mean, that's that's what's going to fucking happen, you know. Like, I don't have any sympathy for Modesto at this point. And, and I think they settled out accord court anyways. Well, no. I guess what happened it was, is... It was a hung jury the first time,
3: right? They, it was like a split was, jury, and then like... So they declared a mistrial. They, d- they declared his. it, so like they didn't get any money. They just kind of got whatever they paid in like law fees or something like that. I don't so, even think that,
1: because I guess I went up to an appeals court, and it got dropped because of... Um, I forgot the legalese of it all. I'm sure your sister would probably know it. But like basically like, hey, this is a bullshit case. Like if you want to get countersued and lose
3: more money than you're going to get back...
1: You better drop this case, basically.
3: No, I know they did pay them their legal fees, but they didn't make any money off of it. It's kind of like you just went in, went in and said, like, yeah, you have a good point. You're not going to make any money off this. You got a point, but there's no case here. That's mm. essentially what it is. And so, like, it's just like, thanks for coming. See you later. <laughs>
0: <Dragon>. <laughs> That's
3: all it is. It's basically just like a wash where it's like nothing happened. Mm. which is kind of like seems about right because it's like, yeah, we get it. Maybe it wasn't the, the best decision because if you really think about it, like let's say some kid would have got shot in like one of the houses there. That would have sucked if that kid would have bled to death. Mm-hmm. You know, if I were a family member of that kid, I would have also been pissed that, you know, the police at this point, there's no, I mean, there's no shooting going on. I do think that there was a little bit of like playing it too safe because at this point, you know, you could have got, if someone else was injured, and we would have heard it from that perspective. Well, some people were injured, right? Oh, yeah. There was a police officer car, that was right? also bleeding to death. And they were able to get an ambulance to him. But he was closer to the bank at that point. And so I, it was a slightly different area. And here's the thing, too, about that at that
1: point. I guess um, there was a, the actual armored vehicle that was going to make the drop-off. The police officers, they commandeered that armored vehicle and started picking up the wounded. Yeah. So they they picked up the wounded and treated them at, you know, a farther location mm-hmm. out of the war zone. So, I mean, they were doing their due diligence at that point, you know, where they were picking up. I believe one officer, like, he was on the verge of fucking death behind, like, some tree by the Del Taco. By the way, guys, we need to get Del Taco after this because it sounded too good. But... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they, they, they got the actual armored vehicle that was going to bring the $1.7 million. Supposedly. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly. Um, they got they used that basically as a medic vehicle at that yeah, point.
3: Yeah, once SWAT showed up, that was like their game plan. Like, let's use that and drive it around. Mm-hmm. Pretty nuts shit. Like, the fucking things that SWAT was coming up with was pretty genius. Like, it was stuff that the police weren't using it. SWAT showed up and like fucking killed it with their gym shorts. Yeah.
1: I know that was what was crazy. Like I mean you, you had officers that had, you know, the basic vest on or whatever, but fucking SWAT came in like they were fucking gonna run the Paralympics and shit. Like yeah. like that's crazy. Again, hats off to them, so
3: Yeah, right on I mean and essentially that's 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 the story. But it's like It did change a lot of things for not only LAPD, but like the rest of the United States. Like, Mm -hmm. it did become. Yeah, police procedures in general. It became a little more military style, which, you know, we can see why. As criminals become more sophisticated and guns become more um, elaborate and more powerful, like, you kind of need a little bit more of a tactical response. It's Mm -hmm. the problem of escalation, you know?
1: Yeah. And at that point, too, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not a gun person, but I'm all for responsibly arming the people that should have these guns, the military and the police. Like, y- yeah, of course, you're going to need that because you don't want, thank God, you know, they were able to contain the situation. And didn't, you know, nobody, you know, in these residential areas didn't get hurt and whatnot. It was just, you know, people walking by. This mess didn't make it onto the freeway. That would have been a clusterfuck. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean that this, like everything pretty much happened perfectly for that to happen. That's not, that's not life. Life's not going to happen that way. So, of course, yeah, you know, I guess pre this uh, situation, you know, the police, all they had was, you know, your basic handguns and maybe Pistolen, a shotgun. Shotguns, yeah. yeah, a shotgun, you know, in the front seat. But after this, this is when you start to see, you know, every police cruiser is going to have an AR-15 or some kind of assault rifle to combat a situation like this. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and extra
2: body armor.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it makes perfect sense um, that, that they would have that. You know, like criminals are – sophisticated now and you know they got to be ready for any scenario and so like they
2: got plates in the doors now that was another thing because they yeah. were shooting those armor yeah. piercing
1: rounds and they were just you know i think shredding up the cop cars one actually even pierced the fucking engine block and like lodged itself into somebody's foot
3: yeah actually like Jesus. one of the first witnesses like that girl that was walking by with her like dog mm-hmm. her foot was like blown off mm-hmm. and like, it was her fault for not leaving, but because like <laughs> she called, she was like one of the first people to call the police on it, and then she stuck around for some weird reason. Can you imagine if she
1: had a fucking smartphone? If this was like yeah, 2019? she would have been
3: like fucking selfing it up, dude. Yeah.
1: Oh my god! I'm in the middle of North Hollywood. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, but this brings up, I guess, too, like we were talking about it when this uh, topic uh, got brought up of gun control as well. Um, like I like said earlier. You know, they had their guns grandfathered in, you know, from the assault uh, weapons ban in 1994. So they, they were legally owning these guns. And the argument I always hear from my more conservative friends is like, well, you can outlaw the guns, but they're still going to get them illegally. But it's just like you want to be able to minimize this as much as possible. Well,
2: that was one of the things about the uh, the assault weapons ban was that it didn't actually lower, like, gun violence or gun deaths it did have a noticeable effect on uh like mass shootings you know, those you know there was a decrease in those but just because most gun violence happens it's uh handguns mm-hmm. so most people get getting murdered with handguns because they're easily concealable like you know that's most things you're going to do in a crime you know you do. Yeah. you're going to do what you know off the streets you're not going to be long range you're going to be in the room with somebody and you mm-hmm. know what's so, yeah. up
1: yeah duels from fucking pulp fiction yeah yeah should have shotguns for this shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i mean to me um i was having this discussion with one of my my coworkers. he came over to my desk um during lunch this is when i was researching it um he's like hey what are you looking at and i was telling him about you know this story he goes oh i remember that i was living in la at that time and he's like you know what you know i i'm a gun person he was in the military and he's just like you know what but i don't think anybody should be just allowed to own an assault rifle like it's just like it doesn't make any sense he goes I'm more comfortable with an assault rifle, but that's what I was trained, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week to disassemble, to clean, to put together. I feel more comfortable with an AR-15 to protect my family, but that's because I know how to keep it safe. But he goes, your average geek off the street is not going to know that, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not going through boot camp. No. Yeah. I mean, you look, I mean, I'm going to reference Forrest Gump here, but like that's all you're doing basically is you're learning how to disassemble and put together your gun. You know these these regular individuals, they're not going to do it. Mill and Phillips or Larry Phillips, they they didn't even know how to use their guns as well. Like you were you were seeing that on the street, like they were just they they were jamming up. You know they weren't you know removing you know the clip that you know was sp- or the bullet casing. That's why they had multiple rifles. So you know something mm-hmm. goes wrong with one, you just you
2: just switch and you grab another
1: one. Yeah, and my coworker was saying she's like, yeah, all they would have needed was just one and a bunch of ammunition. Like if they were smart enough, you know if they took the time to actually know. You know the gun that they were using and appreciate it and respect it you know maybe they would have been more effective thank god they weren't but it played into you know that narrative like people just want the biggest baddest gun it's not i hear that argument all the time well i want a gun you know to protect my family or if something pops off you know i, I want to make sure that i'm safe and you,
0: you you got you,
1: but most people you know, they're just going to get these huge guns these ar-15s and these assault rifles just because that's the biggest baddest gun
2: because well, it, it looks cool yeah, and if you've cool. ever
1: fired one, it it's badass. Yeah, like
2: I, I've gone out to the fields with you know some friends, and you know we were busting soda cans. It's a fun time. I'm not going to say that it's not fun. I totally get it. Just like getting behind the wheel of you know a sports car, it's like, yeah, you get an F1 racer and you get to haul ass. Like, yeah, it's fun. I'm not going to do that every day.
1: No. And to me, like I have a fucking rocket ship fucking in my garage right now. And if you know, if you had like cars like that. That were fucking killing people right and left, or being used to, to as as weapons or something like that. Like if you had a similar situation, because in America right now we have a situation where it's just like it seems like every week there's a new mass shooting, and the gun of choice is always like a fucking assault rifle. It's always going to be an AR-15. It's like we want to try to minimize that as much as possible. Like you're not going to fucking have a mass. Shoot. You're still going to have casualties. But if you're not going to have these incredible mass shootings with a fucking handgun, you know, that's not going to happen. And I'm not talking about taking everyone's gun away. Like, I I do think, you know, the Second Amendment is an important amendment to have because here in California, like, if you have a gun, more than likely you're a criminal. But you have people that live in places like Montana. If you have a gun in California, more than likely you're a criminal, they said? Stereotypically. They're harder to get. And so, you know. Stereotypically stereotypically if i if i see somebody with a gun i'm not thinking oh you're a good guy like even if you're a fucking second amendment republican or whatever to me in my mind stereotypically you're either a drug dealer or you're a bad guy but if you're in montana or something like that where keith lives at and you have a gun it's more or less for protection you know whether it be from wildlife or from you know a home invader or whatever because if you live out in the sticks. And you know, it takes already LAP. It takes BPD an hour or so to get to you. It here. takes my neighbor like twenty minutes to get to me. <laughs> You're living out in the boon, Yeah, the police aren't going to respond quick enough. So yeah, it makes sense for you to have a gun. So in my mind, yeah. To be fair, like yeah, it's important to have some kind of arms. But are you re- Are you really going to need a fucking assault rifle? Well, I think that's an important point. When we go to the the Second
2: Amendment because nowhere does it say guns. You know, it says the right to bear arms and what's mm-hmm. arms you know my tomahawk my crossbow my spear <laughs> yeah. those are all arms yeah. and i get that back in the day you know when you wrote that um they kept all their guns in the armory and so of course the british tried to hit the armory uh they got wind of it first you know when revolutionaries took all their guns out of the armory because fuck the british we're keeping our guns yeah so it made sense because there is no standing army there's no police force like The people, we are the militia. Mm -hmm. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to take care of each other. That makes sense. Um, I don't know why people living in the
1: city have guns. Yeah, And Art and I, I mean, you live, you know, on the outskirts pretty much of the east side. But Art and I, we pretty much grew up in the hood, you know, for the whole 34, 33 years of our lives. Where it's just like gun violence is a huge thing. I mean, spoiler alert, anybody just trying to rob me, I don't have a gun. But I don't feel any safer or less safe if I had one, you know, and it's because because it's not
2: a guarantee. If you have a gun and someone breaks in your house and they also have a gun, you're not guaranteed that you're
1: going to stop them. I'm a heavy sleeper. And then you always hear too, like, OK, a responsible gun owner is going to keep and I listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast all the time. He goes responsible gun owners. They're going to have their guns locked up in a case, you know, and they're not going to have it out for any child to blow their head off or whatnot. Yeah. And, okay, you got to think, okay, I'm going to be a responsible gun owner. I'm going to put in a gun safe or whatever. If somebody's going to want to break into my house, you know, they're already going to be locked and loaded and ready to fucking shoot. You know, they're going to shoot my German Shepherds. They're going to shoot my fucking 30-pound fucking, you know, house dog. And I'm going to be halfway asleep, and I'm going to have to fucking remember the fucking code to my fucking, um, you know, safe and then lock and load my gun. No, I'm dead at that point anyways. So all that was just a mental um, Band-Aid, you know, for my safety at that point. I don't know if there's any listeners out there that feel the opposite of it. I've changed my mind. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, that's not making me any more safe. But I feel like it's just feeling
2: like I got like really I do have, you know, a tomahawk and I got a crossbow. (laughs) So I don't I guess I kind of feel safer that I got, you know, a machete by my bed but i don't think that's going to actually stop anybody i've never had to use it most like you know all my friends who have guns yeah they've never had to use their guns to defend themselves the only thing we do with their guns is we'll go out into the fields and shoot cans
3: I will, so like i hear that argument a lot i'm sure we've all heard that argument of like well You know, I wanted to defend my family. And I would say probably like 99% of people have never defended their family. Or probably, Mm. you know, you don't know what you're going to be like in that scenario when someone's breaking into your home and there's someone at your home. I mean, most police officers don't even have the training. That's why we have so many, like, police officers that kind of fuck up at the wrong moment and shoot some kid with a cell phone. Yeah. And I'm not saying somebody with the cell phone is going to break into your home. I'm just saying, like, for the most part, maybe you shoot your own kid or you shoot the wrong person or something like you shoot a loved one and Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound that far-fetched most people are not going through that training not just gun training but also like the training of your mind being under distress Mm -hmm. and like that's something that most people don't take into account or just accidents yeah accident i mean you,
2: you and your family are in your home you know most of the time and so just the the possibility of it happening just the numbers are there because those bodies are in your house all the time that gun is in your house all the time there's hardly ever a robber in your house. Like, there,
3: there's always like these arguments I hear that are just kind of like, you know, I like my, uh, carry and conceal with me and all these things. And, you know, we see mass shootings and like, is there a mash? Sh- I'm sure there might be one mass shooting out there that was been prevented by somebody that had a, mm-hmm. a carry on email, but we just saw like in one El of the Paso. most of Republican States in El Paso's, you know, you're telling me nobody there had a gun. That kid just went in there and like unloaded also to the
1: Las Vegas shooting. I mean, granted he was shooting people from his hotel room but every Uber that I jumped in in Las Vegas the last time I was there, literally, like, a week before that shooting, like, every Uber driver would not
3: hesitate to tell you, like, hey, I have a gun right here. Like, but, don't try anything. But see, the funny thing is, like, what? don't try anything. At this point, it's like, what you're, are you going to do? Once I blow your brains out, when are you going to pull your gun out? When yeah. your head hits the floor or when you bleed out? When's, mm-hmm. when's your move? Because at this point, you're already dead. So, like, don't try anything. Like, killing someone is, like, seconds. We're, we're talking about seconds, like, mm-hmm. to the point where it's, like, yeah, there's an illusion of safety. And, and I think that most people like the illusion of safety of mm-hmm. I don't have a gun at my home. More than like, like I have a friend who had a, his parents own a lot of guns when we were in our early 20s. We were like maybe like 21 or 22 or something like that. And his his dad's guns got like, his house got broken into and all his guns got stolen. And like, you know, there's, you know, but like at one point they make you feel safer. Like one, they took a bunch of shit and they took your guns. Like, like safes are not that difficult to to break into, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I hate to break it to most people, but you know, safes are not perfect. And so like, I do think that there is a little bit of an illusion of safety that I I come with guns. And I'm not saying that all guns are bad, but I'm just saying for the most part, like you think of how many like accidents happen with kids shooting each other or like somebody that's going through depression. It's so much easier to just kill yourself with a gun because it's things like depression and things like that. They're such like, momentary feelings you know like mm-hmm. what you feel at that moment you probably won't feel the next morning or whatever you know or a few hours from then, you know like you you know it, that's just how it is those are yeah. like mental mental imbalances of a chemical agreed, imbalances yeah. of the brain so like you can have one person that's like well i'm gonna shoot myself or i'm gonna go like jump off a bridge well and i gotta get in the car drive to the, you know do all these things choke myself to death Fucking Epstein, myself, you know, like it takes more effort to like tie <laughs> yeah. a rope together and do all these things than just pull a trigger and kill yourself. Yeah, you've
2: got time to think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like
3: the gun gives you no time to think. To think and like so, like you're, you're, it's just it's just so quick, like to the point where like you can make the argument of like, well, somebody's gonna if we replace mass shootings with like people getting ran over which yeah it happens so that happened in uh charlottesville yeah where like that dude ran over people yeah it's possible but it's it's like something that's so less likely because at this point you got to be on the street you got to be on these like scenarios that are just kind of like they're just very specific scenarios where these things would happen or like a stabbing a stabbing like dude i'd rather take on a dude with a knife than a dude with a gun because i can outrun a knife but i can't outrun a bullet yeah and it's like come on like even if you don't even if you choose not to fight like, then it's, like, even if I choose to fight, I'll grab this fucking thing you have on your desk. And, like, now we're, now it's, like, fucking I'm going to try to, like, knock sense into mm-hmm. you, like, kind of thing, you know? And it's, like, it creates a more even plane. And, like, th- the gun argument, which I still get and I still kind of support, you know, guns for the, for the most part. And yeah, like, and for the record, I think, yeah, nobody's trying to take anybody's,
1: like your basic guns away i'm for me my personal stuff i'm trying i'm talking about like military style guns like there's no need for any regular ass fucking civilian but
3: even then i think that you know i i think that it needs to be more training involved with i agree and i think mental health screens mental health screens and then um you know it's it's difficult for for someone at different stages in their life to maintain a driver's license as someone that you know gets older whatever things like dementia and things like that Mm -hmm. appear in people's in people's life you know you can go blind you don't get to keep your driver's license once you go blind so like i do believe that if we did you know periodic like mental health checks and like hey we need you to bring your guns in we want to check them out make sure you Mm -hmm. haven't modified them just randomly, I feel like those are very common sense things that we can be doing as a society, which we don't oh, yeah. do. But and I, think I think the that, thing
2: about any of these solutions, though, is that they're
3: going to cost somebody money. Oh, of course. But you yeah, know what? We're like, already paying ridiculous amounts of money into things that... No, I, we're paying money, though. Yeah, no, I know. We're already paying money into things that, like, don't really save lives. And no offense to things like NASA or something like that. It's like, yeah, I support the science, but we're not really saving lives. Like, we're there are things that we could be doing to, like, I'm full on like I'd rather have healthcare than have NASA just because I know where that's going. I'd rather see people like mm-hmm. uh, being healthy and being alive. And, you know, I, I as someone who has seen like what medical issues can do, like undetected medical issues in my own like personal life, I'd rather see that. And I've gotten no profit of, hey, there's a picture of the moon. You know, we spent millions and billions <laughs> of dollars on this picture of this moon. It's say it's, it means nothing to me. Yeah. But yeah, we ch- we choose not to spend money on universal health care, or maybe better background screens and better gun laws and like more common sense laws. That hey, they're no, gonna cost more money, but I, at the same time, we might be saving lives, and we just choose not to go down those roads. That's
2: not really what I mean by costing us money. What I mean is. This is going to cost the gun manufacturers money. Oh, yeah. Well, if you Fuck have the, background but, but checks, even, even, that means less people are going to be buying guns. If you have you know, all these rules, it's going to mean less people are buying guns, and that's going to cut into their profits.
3: That's that whole capitalism thing. So, like, at this point, it's like, like, you know, Bernie Sanders is, like, viewed as this, like, total, like, hippie that wants to, like, <laughs> l- like give everyone universal health care. It's like it makes sense. Like we're charging for a medicine that costs like $10 to make. And we charge like, yeah, $90, $100 a hundred dollars for a medicine. We
1: subsist- and then we subsidize the fucking company that makes it. So the company's making money on both ends. And yeah, that's- who's
3: that dude that everybody hates like Scarelli or whatever. Martin Scarelli. Martin Scarelli yeah. And everybody hated him. And I was, I thought he was a genius just for the, for the, for the, the fact that he pointed out this huge flaw and everybody hates him, but he's not really the bad guy. Those pharmaceutical companies are the bad ones. The, the people who made these laws are the bad ones. Those laws were put into place. Like the, the, the law that he was exploiting was a law that if you don't make the most profit for your investors, then you can go to jail for that. And he was definitely making the most profit he could for his investors. Mm-hmm. Like what's the harm in that? He it's a shitty law, but he followed the law. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't like the law, because it's affecting people with AIDS. Which is shitty, but you guys made the laws. Stop pointing at the finger it, at him and saying he's the bad guy. You made the fucking laws, and it, we put these people in power. Nah, and the I still laws to Punch that guy in the face.
2: I've <laughs> never Yeah, seen, but still. I've never seen yeah, but I'd rather the
3: punch, the punch like the Trumps and every lobbyist in, in the face. Just and that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Is like, yeah, those
1: laws get passed because of the lobbyists. Now the biggest lobby in Washington is the NRA, yeah. and they have their fucking um, their checkbooks in almost every politician you know on the right side. Um, In Washington. So all these goofy-ass laws get into effect because those politicians want to protect their campaign funds. And so I'm glad you also brought up that whole driver's license thing uh, because people always talk about, okay, um, you know, oh, I don't want, you know, the government regulating my my guns and whatnot. But it's just like, okay, you realize cars are way more regulated and everybody drives a car, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then also, too – they give that argument as well of if there's a gun registry, then they know who's
2: got the guns and then they can start taking them away. It's, whoa, you're thinking about a hypothetical situation. You're taking it to the, to the nth degree. Yeah, but like that's the argument for not doing something is something might happen. It's like, well, OK, but something is happening right now. Can mm-hmm. we focus on what is happening instead of what might happen? Because if that does happen, guess what? You can always change laws. I can't
1: get back my kid. You can get back your gun. And then you hear this argument as well. Um, oh, just because you outlaw a gun doesn't mean it, it just, I mean, it does not going to change anything because criminals are still going to use them. Yeah, guess what? You can take someone's driver's license away and people are still going to drive. Yeah. But people at people the same time, they are still going to drink and drive and kill people. Like, that's still a thing. But, but it's going to curtail a lot of shit, though. You can't just, to me, you can't just use that fucking argument of saying, like, well, criminals are still going to get guns anyways. Well, yeah, but it's going to curtail a lot of this shit that's going on. You're not going to see these fucking, you know, late teen, early 20 fucking nerds fucking shooting up a fucking Batman uh, movie screening or a fucking bar, you know, because the girl that he asked out, it said no. Like, you're going to curtail a lot of this because these people are actually buying these things legally. Like, something has to be, a roadblock or a barrier to entry has to be put into place because, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, you take away somebody's driver's license, yeah, they're they're still probably going to drive, but... They're also going to get caught, and they're going to get fined. They're going to get jailed. There's going to be a whole lot of roadblocks that are going to deter de- that fucking behavior. Don't just give free range. Just be like, well, they're going to get them anyways. Might as well fucking, you know, let them have it. Because that that to me, that doesn't work either.
3: I agree, yeah. I mean, it, I think that we need to have some type of roadblock. It just can't be a straight line from point A to point B. You got your gun now. You keep it forever. Mm-hmm. And even the whole, like, getting grandfathered in, it's like, well, I mean— I don't know if that still applies because... Yeah. It's like, does it still apply? Well, so, but, I've I mean, heard, I feel like I've technology will get better. Like, those guns are probably, like, pretty outdated at this point. They're like some fucking mm-hmm. Russian... Yeah, you know, well, they're saying, you know, <laughs> if
2: uh, if the government was going to update handguns, or just all guns, and say that, you know, we've got to you're registered for this gun we're gonna put your you know thumbprint on it you know fingerprints on it so this gun is coded for you only you can use this so now it can't get stolen from you you know no one can take your gun off of you that's
3: something that's been proposed in the past right fingerprint technology to like actually shoot the gun
2: yeah but again people are worried about what might happen like oh well does that mean like the government can you know remotely turn my gun off you know, what, <laughs> what happens if I really need to shoot someone and I'm not holding my gun right and, like, it doesn't read my fingerprints? Like, again, they're thinking about all the bad things that might happen, ignoring the bad thing that is happening. And to me, it's like um, we could stop all drunk driving if you put ignition interlocks systems in everyone's car. It's basically – I had this when I, I – after I got my DUI. But <laughs> you got this little thing hooked up to your car and, you know, you got to blow into it. And then your car starts. And then – Lizzie you know,
1: Loland also has that as well. Yeah.
2: So your car cannot start if you got alcohol in your system. It's like, okay, perfect. No more drunk drivers.
3: You could do that. It would cost somebody money.
2: Mm-hmm. So no one wants to do it. But
3: even, no car even company then, wants to tech, take that step. You, you always have to like think outside the box. I mean, we have all these like DUI checkpoints. We have all these things like we spend a lot of money on. Yeah, and well, the, but we, it's the, in the thing that's hope of making safe, money though. Yeah, but the thing that's like, prevented the most drinking and driving has been like the invention of uber and lyft Mm -hmm. just be it was it was thinking outside the box like all of a sudden it's so much easier it's easier to order a lyft than it's to order a pizza and like when you're drunk all you want is like i just want to get home or i just want to get laid i just met (laughs) met some lady (laughs) at the bar let's get this shit going and like that's that's the beauty of things like uber and 90 percent of those people i guarantee are either leaving a party or leaving a bar and, you know, that was it. And, like, now they're just trying to get home. And Uber has made that possible. Like, the, they've saved more people than any DUI checkpoint ever has. So
2: Yeah, I really want to see the number of uh, DUIs, you know,
1: since the inception of Uber and,
3: mm-hmm, and all the ride-sharing yeah. apps. Well, I think this has been a pretty good show.
1: Hell, yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, we got the heart racing with the fucking bank robbery story, and then we fucking got the blood boiling with some fucking political debate. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of fucking feedback on this. So. Um yeah, if you have anything, you know, on the opposite side of it, I'm open to hearing that argument as well. I'm I'm open to being wrong. I reserve the right to be wrong. But at the same time, I, I I've heard all these arguments and just something just that internal fucking voice just speaks to me and just like, No, we gotta do something. But my inner, you know, conspiracy theorist is just screaming like,
2: Well, you want more guns in more people's hands because that makes the world more dangerous you know illegal guns aren't just you know there's there's no hoods manufacturing their own guns gangsters aren't you know making their own Mm -hmm. shit legal guns become illegal guns so the more legal guns there are out there the more illegal crime there's going to be eventually at some point so if there's more chaos and there's more people scared what's the solution to that we've got to get a gun well why well because everyone has
1: a gun to they me, it's like that cig- those cigarette uh, ads from like the '60s and shit. Like most, uh, this is the the Marlboro brand is the most selected brand between all physicians or whatever. Like, <laughs> it, like that Philip Morris bullshit. Like to me, like that's that that argument is something that the NRA invented and fucking indoctrinated their folks with. So to me, it's just like that. It's yeah. just like Philip Morris, like in the 60s saying the only like, thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun.
2: That's, a I, I, and that's the other
3: thing. I hate when people, and I know you said it earlier, but I was, it always bothers me when people say like good guy, bad guy mentality. It's like, most people are just people and everyone's flawed it's like mm-hmm. the the thin line between good guy and bad guy i mean there's even police officers that i would say like they're shitty people oh, I there's agree. police officers that i think are great people I agree. but i think we're all just human flawed and it's just like i don't know what qualifies someone being a good guy and a bad guy i think that that'll even go from day to day i think there's good guys that all of a sudden come home and catch their wife cheating and all of a sudden it's like fuck fuck i got a gun fuck you and kill them both mm-hmm. you know and that was a really good guy but in the in the heat of the moment that turned into a bad guy so what is a good guy and what is a bad guy it's just we're humans we have emotions we're tempered at times Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're calm and we're chill and we can have like rational political debates and not get all heated and jump over a table but there's moments (laughs) where like that shit happens and like there are things that strike us and trigger us and like all of a sudden it's like you mess with the wrong dude's lady and now you're in a real fight and that dude had a gun and now you're dead yeah. And, I'm like, that shit happens. That's real life. It's like we're not just drones that are good guy, bad guy, good drone, bad drone that yeah. will never change. Black and white. Yeah.
1: yeah There's a gray like, area. Yeah. yeah.
3: I agree. I agree. And,
1: I, and that's just me being stereotypical. Yeah. yeah. No,
0: I, I
3: mean, I get it. I just wanted to point that out because I hear that a lot in that argument of like, well, the only thing that's the, I think you just said that yeah. the, who stops a bad guy with the gun, a good guy with the gun. It's but like the thing yeah, is, how do I know
1: who's a bad guy with a gun? Because yeah. I see some like you know we saw that too with like the Rain City superhero movement. It was just like the reason why they had to dress up like superheroes, so that way when they see two dudes going at it, they don't arrest both dudes. They know that okay, Phoenix Jones, he's a good guy because you can see his fucking wackadoo costume, and he's a quote unquote good guy. You know, trying to you know enact a Good Samaritan law. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. 99 other percent of the time, like, you're not going to know well, who has Until a gun. Until they start shooting. Yeah. And then that's when you get, like, you know, wrongful deaths, for you know, from police and whatnot because they saw a cell phone and they thought it was a gun. That's how you create that culture and then that mindset. That's the actual – when you were talking about, like, oh, the what if. No, this is – right now, the time that we're living in right now – the what if is now like when you see these wrongful deaths by, you know, police, police officers or even, you know, amongst civilians themselves. I had a neighbor two streets up the, the block. He thought his neighbor was breaking into his yard, but all he was doing was fixing his fence and he got shot in the back for it. So, I mean, you, you get these scenarios because of the, the lobbyists in Washington implementing this indoctrination.
3: I agree. I'm, but anyways, right. I want
1: to end this episode on a good note. Um, Um, hats off to the LAPD, you know, at this time, this is something that they needed because they were coming off, you know, the Rodney King beating, they were coming off the LA riots. They were, you know, fresh off (laughs) OJ Simpson. They they needed a win. They had a streak of losses there. Yeah. 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 This, this, this was the Toronto Raptors of 1997 (laughs) right here. So hats off to them. Uh, i know there was a conspiracy that you know this uh the these two gentlemen uh, larry phillips and madison Reno, they were some mk ultra from the lapd to give nah, them that dude, good
3: that's some stretches
1: yeah you know i know but it's the tinfoil hat thing coming out because i guess that's what we're known for that you know that that they were there to give a uh, good pr to the lapd but whatever i don't believe that i don't think art believes that vincent believe that no. i'm a
3: conspiracy theorist and i don't believe that yeah you know, i pissed on that sub- i pissed on that st- conspiracy mm. uh, i mean i'd sooner believe that they were aliens <laughs> they were reptilians they were gay
1: frogs these were reptilians being manipulated by obama back when obama was 32 years old <laughs> <laughs> I think he was only like 23. <laughs> Notice we didn't we didn't see any close-up footage of where that. was Obama when this happened? Show me the
2: footage. Show me the emails. Show me the bodies. I want to see the skin. <laughs> show me off. the emails. I want to see the lizard skin
1: underneath. Show me the emails. <laughs> and the Clinton body count just increases because of this. <laughs> Tell your mom
3: when you boo boo too.
1: Anyways. Shout out Elizabeth
3: out Elizabeth Warren.
1: <laughs> and shout out podbelly.com. If you like this episode please check out podbelly.com and where you will see other podcasts that are just as good if not better like sofa king like breakers like nerds on topic like the podcast um, there's even a star wars podcast you can check out as well if that tickles your fancy there's like a million fucking um, uh, horror podcasts on there something as well Some for everybody yeah some for everybody it's like a it's like a sizzler buffet if you will so check out podbelly the, a plethora of podcasts yes indeed <laughs> So with that said everybody please make sure you go to fightbackcbd.com check them out on all social media at fightbackcbd use promo code america for 10% off uh, for everything that you do fightbackcbd will have you feeling tip top magoo. magoo yes sir shout out to magoo man timbaland and magoo you guys need to get What's you, you need to squash that beef and get back together okay uh, make sure you check us out on all social media at Art and Jacob Do America, on Facebook, on Instagram. However, on Twitter we are at Art and Jacob Do A1, so we love to put fucking steak sauce on our dicks for some reason. I don't know. Lubrication works some way, somehow, but at least we're not dry rubbing like Fred Durst, okay? Vincent, where can they check you out? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Tequila Samurai. Uh,
2: you know, I do a lot of my art and you know whatever whatever I'm taking pictures of and then I'm on Twitter at Vincent Cruz where you can catch more of my uh, political opinions
1: and you know, just random thoughts. So it's an extension, basically, of this podcast, basically. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Right? Oh okay. right man. All right, where can they check
3: you out um, at? You can find me at on um, Xbox.com, <laughs> at robots versus robots, if you want to get your game on. Uh, NBA oh, Madden. 2K, some Madden. Okay. Um, let's see what else I'm on. We got our
1: fantasy football draft coming up soon, right? Tomorrow. That's right. 6.30. I'm glad you reminded me because I was going to think Sunday. Yeah, so we'll probably be talking about that. You can make fun of me because I'm sure I'll probably fuck that up, or maybe Art as well. I don't know. He might draft Mitch Trubitsky.
3: I draft him every year. Yeah. I used to draft Cutler every year. Yeah. It's kind of my good luck thing where I just do that. Yeah. It's know. not my number one pick. I mean, save it for like my second to last pick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll make sure I don't take him. But with that said,
3: do you guys have anything else? Hit um, me up on Xbox, man. <laughs> step your game up, man. Shout it, it out to all these like fucking Russian kids, man, talking shit in Russian to me on Xbox Live. I don't like it. I don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Learn English. So with that said, everybody. Uh, Shout out
2: to Elizabeth Warren, Liz 2020.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So with that said, everybody, have a good night. Good night.
0: I just want to get mixed up with that bitch. Here She got a great ass. And you got your head. All the way up it! Jesus. When I think of asses, woman's ass, something comes out of me.